Hey, Harpy Hour fans. Here's a new way to earn yourselves a coveted Harpy Hour logo sticker and get a shout out from us in an episode. Just tag us at Harpy Hour Pod on an original social media post. So not a retweet, but something you wrote yourself telling your friends how much you love us. Next, DM us your mailing address straight from your social media account or email us along with a screenshot of your post to harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. You won't get another sticker if you already got one in our last giveaway, but let your friends know anyways so they can participate and get a matching sticker. We're only giving away up to 20 stickers, but if you miss out, you can also get one by supporting us on Patreon. Now, before you enjoy the episode, check out this promo from another awesome podcast to add to your list and stick around for Harpy Hour. Hello, listeners out there in podcast land. My name is JJ Hodges. Do you like comic books, pop culture, movies, TV? Well, you, my friend, are in luck. I host a show called The Four Comic Junkies Podcast, where I have an array of guests where we talk about all things pop culture and how it affects our daily lives, how we react to it, how we've grown up with it, and hopefully how we hope to see it grow in the future. It gives us all the feels, as the kids say these days. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. We're available on Anchor.fm, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Harpy Hour may contain explicit language, as well as graphic, violent, and sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Harpy Hour, the harpiest of all the hours. Harpy Hour, Harpy Hour, Harpy Hour, Harpy Hour, Harpy Hour, Harpy Hour. Okay, I'll stop now. Listeners, we promise we will not be singing like that for the entire hour. This is a Tracy episode, right? Maybe we don't promise that right at the outset. All right. We are the Harpy. <laughs> God damn it, Liz. I was waiting for Tracy to announce herself. I was like, what is she waiting for? I'm waiting for you. <laughs> I was about to take your line and say we are the Harpy since I try to take your line all the time anyway. I'm exasperated and I'm Tracy. <laughs> I'm joyful and I'm Liz. <laughs> I'm present and I'm Steph. <laughs> These are the best dwarves. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh god. And this is our <laughs> podcast where we share ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. And our lives. While barely holding it together. <laughs> barely. Like, this is a shoestring production, friends. So, entertainment story from my life. Oh dear. I attempted to rescue a sea turtle the other day. Oh, I don't like how you use the word attempted. Does this end <laughs> with you needing to be rescued? No, oh, I don't like not. this. Yeah. Does not end with me. Re- I was fine. So um, Eric and I took our kayak out to this little tiny island off of Oahu called Chinaman's Hat. Okay. We took the kayak out there and when we landed, we were like, oh, where should we put the kayak? Like, let's put it among these rocks. And we realized that one of these rocks was actually a giant sea turtle. 
Oh. <laughs> Here, turtle, watch my kayak. Thanks. <laughs> just breasted against this turtle. <laughs> uh, and those people around, there's like, I don't know, like six other people around. They're like, yeah, we're pretty sure it's dead. Because it was just kind of like laying there and it was looked kind of dry. And Why I would all you bring these... down my segment juju with your dead turtle story? <laughs> it's okay. There's spoiler alert. It's not dead. Oh, okay. Then this is fine. We thought it was dead initially because it's like it was kind of dry looking. It has all these tumors on it. It's like this giant tumor on like hmm. the left side of its neck and like its what left eye turtle? and like on, all around its like butt. Like there's all these like by his back flippers, all these ones and like a big one under his armpit. So we're like this turtle. First of all, we thought it was dead. And then we saw it like move its head a little bit and everyone's like, oh my God, it's alive. But like, it's so sick. Like we need to do something about it. And I was the only one who had a cell phone on me. So we Googled it, and apparently there is the Hawaii Marine Animal Response Service. Oh. So, like, I Googled this, and I found it, and I called them, and it connected me to Noah. I thought you were going to say to no one. And I was like, wow, great job, Hawaii. (laughs) Damn it, Hawaii. You just have to drive with the hang 10 out the window. They'll know that it's an emergency. I forget what Noah stands for. National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration? Yeah, that's the one. So it connects me to that. So I I call this line to report it. And there's like this automated message in the beginning. It's like, to report a monk seal sighting, push one. To report a monk seal in danger, push two. To report a sea turtle sighting, push three. To report a sea turtle emergency, plus all these like options. I'm like, am I supposed to report just like seeing a sea turtle because they're fucking everywhere i see them all the time or is this an emergency yeah so i pushed the one for sea turtle emergency and i got connected to somebody and you know i told her i'm like hey i'm on chinaman's hat like i see the sea turtle looks pretty sick i'm not sure if it's doing so hot it's barely moving there's flies around it like the end is nigh yeah so So she's like, okay, um, you know, we don't know if we can actually make it out to Chinaman's Hacks. It's kind of hard for us to get there, but like, send me some pictures. I'm going to make some calls. I'll get back to you. So I take a few pictures, send it to her, and she calls me back like minutes later. And she's like, okay, so we're not going to be able to come out to Chinaman's Hat because those tumors are benign and we know this turtle. Like I'm like oh, oh it's like a yeah. <laughs> like a repeat offender on the streets. It's a repeat offender. Jeez. She's like yeah, he's he's a regular there. He likes to go to Chinaman's Hat. So you know he's oh. just he's just sunbathing. He's just. He's, I was gonna say how can they just, tell just from pictures that tumors are benign? But I guess if they have, no, he's a regular. Like they know yeah. the regular. They have his records. <laughs> if he's a frequent yeah. flyer, he's like, a frequent flyer at Chinaman's Hat. Just this giant tumorous turtle. So like, yeah, we know. I'm like, does he have a name? They're like, uh, not as far as I know. So Eric and I named him Billy. Tumor? <laughs> Billy the Turtle? Billy, what do we call him? Um, Billy Tumor Turtle or something like that? <laughs> it was clearly very creative. And we've also, yeah, so it's Billy. Aww. But we Googled it and there's this thing called turtle fibropapillomatosis, which is the tumors are pretty prevalent, especially in like warm climates. It's like 50 mm-hmm. to 70% of turtles in climates like hot climates like this have them and there are herpes virus oh turtle herpes. So the turtle has herpes oh he just has little cold sores he just has little cold sores on his face they sound like big cold sores on his face on his shoulders on his armpits like all over he had a ton of Poor tumors little baby he just got herpes 
But apparently, yeah, they so they can. It's pretty prevalent in the turtles, and a lot of times they'll have them like internally as well. So it becomes a problem when like it impedes their ability to swim, or like it's internal and they can't like eat or digest or whatever. But apparently, they know Billy, and he's there all the time. And I just reported a sunbathing turtle, <laughs> emergent <laughs> sunbathing turtle. What a precious little gift. <laughs> I felt like. The Karens that are like, I'm going to report people having a barbecue in the park. <laughs> no, not people, <laughs> black people. Right. But I was reporting a tumorous turtle sunbathing. You How cared. dare he? So anyway, I rescued a sea turtle. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite the, the leap there. Yeah, yeah. You did absolutely nothing for a sea turtle. They have now tracked Billy again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yep, still alive, still tumorous. But now in the future, you can go back again. And then when you see other people there who are like, oh, this poor Charlie, like, guys, chill. Guys, it's, it's just Billy. Billy. It's fine. Billy. I know this guy does this all the time. Such drama queen, that Billy. <laughs> the worst. Anyway, speaking of drama queens, Tracy. Rude, but accurate. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to tell us about today? Okay, you guys, I'm starting a new thing and I'm really excited about it, but I'm not going to tell you anything else until after our intro music. But it's my teaser is DBD DBS part one. Dibba dibba dibba. That made me think of the league. Yeah, the Uh, BBB. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I thought of when I was typing it. I'm like, I am basically taco. I am taco CBDB B and B. Yeah, it's the Eskimo Brothers database. E B D B B and B and B. It's the Eskimo Brothers database bed and breakfast. E B D B B and B. It's immediately what I thought of. Yep, that's what. That's kind of that's what I thought of when I was typing it. Anyway, so it's DBD DBS part one. Okay, so here's the story. I'm doing a three part segment. Here's what happened. I was listening to the song X Wives from the musical Six, which I will get into in a moment. For those of you who don't know what Six is, which is probably you two. It is a number. It it's six the musical. Precedes seven. Six is a musical. It is after five. Book music and lyrics by Toby Marlowe and Lucy Moss. And it was originally performed in, by Cambridge University students at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2017. Never heard of it. The largest theater festival in the world, which I touched on in my uh, traveling segment. I'm kidding. I know you were in it. And... The musical opened in London on the West End in January 2019 and a year later on Broadway in February 2020. So the musical six revolves around the six ex-wives or the six wives, I guess, of King Henry VIII of England. You have probably heard these names and there is absolutely a nursery rhyme that goes divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. I've heard that, yeah. That children learn when they're learning about you know the Tudor family in England and all and like all of that well my knowledge of European history in general is pretty poor so 
this will all be pretty new to me. So that's the nursery. So that's the rhyme that goes <laughs> nursery rhyme. Right. Maybe that's not your nursery rhyme isn't exactly what it is, but that's the rhyme that Last students learn. Episode you asked me my favorite fable. I'll I'll just put that there. <laughs> that <laughs> okay. one. Well, this is reality, but yes. Okay. So divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. So those are the fates of the six wives of King Henry VIII. I realized that the only thing that we know about these wives, unless you listen to Six, the musical, is that fucking rhyme. So I was like, I am going to give these women their due. They're due in harpy hour. When I started writing my notes, I realized very quickly that this was going to be a very long segment. So it is divided into three parts, and I will cover two wives in each part. I was just about to say two each. Yep. Math. Chronological order. Liz can math. They are in order. Oh my God, just do it in total random order. Oh my God. It's confuse the shit out of people. Oh, no, that's so confusing. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. So before we get into this, the song X Wives is really like a good intro. And since you won't let me play it, I'm going to recite the lyrics as if we they are a song. We won't let you play it. <laughs> because of copyright. You have yelled at me about this every time. We've repeatedly gone over, yeah, we can't play music. We don't have the rights. We don't want to get sued. We don't have enough money to hire a lawyer yet. They, you know, whatever. Okay, so here <laughs> are the lyrics that intro this. And with each wife, I am going to intro them with their little like four line stanza about themselves and we can compare it and see if it's accurate it's gonna be so much fun (laughs) it goes listen up let me tell you a story a story that you think you've heard before we know you know our names and our fame and our faces know all about the glories and the disgraces i'm done because all this time i've been just one word in a stupid rhyme so I picked up a pen and a microphone. History is about to get overthrown. Divorce beheaded died. Divorce beheaded survived. But just for you tonight, we're divorce beheaded live. That's how they do it. Welcome to the show, to the history mix. Switching up the flow as we add the prefix. Everybody knows that we used to be six wives. Raising up the roof till we hit the ceiling. Get ready for the truth that will be revealing. Everybody knows that we used to be six wives, but now we're ex-wives. All you ever hear about and read about is our ex and the way it ended. But a pair doesn't beat a royal flush. You're about to find out how we got unfriended. (laughs) Tonight, we're going to do ourselves justice because we're taking you to court. And every Tudor rose has its thorns and you're going to hear them live in consort. (laughs) So I'm going to mention King Henry right now, but only very, very briefly because he's the common thread between everything. So King Henry VIII lived from 1491 until 1547. He became King of England at 18. And this isn't fucking about him. So that's all we're going to say about him. (laughs) The first wife is Catherine of Aragon. So this is the first divorced. Okay. So her poem is. My name is Catherine of Aragon, was married 24 years. I'm a paragon of royalty. My loyalty is to the Vatican. So if you try to dump me, you won't try that again. 24 years, I feel like, is substantial. That's substantial in that age. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
That's a long time. Who's married for 24 years then still has more time five for extra five wives. more yeah mm-hmm. i'm surprised yeah i'm surprised the first one lasted that long what is life expectancy that you could i mean have more we'll get into it i know we're gonna get to it but isn't the overarching thing is like he couldn't get a, a son and that's why he kept yeah that's basically the theme of everything is that nobody gave him a son get over it oh my god there's a common denominator here brah yeah he's the worst Catherine of Aragon. She lived from 1485 until 1536, so she died at 50 years old. So she was born in the kingdom of Castile, which is near modern-day Madrid. And I didn't look up how far that was from Erie, Pennsylvania. Sorry, guys. It's very east. Very, very east. She's the youngest surviving child of King Ferdinand II of Aragon and Queen Isabella of Castile. And that'll come back in in a minute. But she's also super short pale and redheaded. So she has a first marriage. So let's talk about this. So on her mother's side, she was descended from the House of Lancaster in England, which made her a suitable mate for the heir apparent to the British throne, Arthur, Prince of Wales. So Arthur is Henry's older brother, supposed to become the King of England. Okay. Yes. So here's where it gets dramatic. So she had more claim to the British throne than Henry the seventh. Oh no, she didn't. Henry the seventh is her future father-in-law. So Catherine of Aragon was descended from Catherine of Lancaster and Philippa of Lancaster, both of whom are daughters of John the Daunt, the first Duke of Lancaster. So Henry the seventh, the father, was an illegitimate descendant of John the Daunt from his third marriage. And since the couple had children out of wedlock, those kids are not considered legitimate. So Henry's ancestors are not considered legitimate, but Catherine's are, because they were part of the first marriage. So therefore, the marriage between Catherine and Arthur, Henry's older brother, legitimized the Tudor lineage and gave their male child, if they were to have a male child, an indisputable claim to the throne. So that was the whole like thought process behind you know, getting Catherine and Arthur to get hitched. Okay. Catherine and Arthur get married by proxy in 1499 when they were both 14 years old. Babies. What does it mean, get married by proxy? Well, I'm so glad you asked because they I don't actually down. have to be there. Yeah. One of the parties isn't present. One of the parties isn't present due to like travel restrictions. Like, they do this a lot with military <laughs> couples. <laughs> Travel restrictions. So literal mail order bride. Literally in the mail. She hasn't arrived yet. Yep. Just lost in the mail. Catherine and Arthur are writing each other back and forth in Latin until Arthur turns 15. In Latin. Jesus. Yeah. Until Arthur turns 15, because that's when you're appropriately mature to make a lifelong commitment to someone. Yes, yes. They meet up in Wales. So that they can both rule because he's the Prince of Wales. But both came down with sweating sickness, which is exactly <laughs> as miserable as it sounds. <laughs> so you yeah. just sweat? Yeah. You you become dehydrated and that's, you know, it just what kills you. What causes you to sweat? The sickness, Steph. You think they have the science for that then? No, not I, at all. No, but I think now we might know. Well, there's what an it was. outbreak of sweating sickness. I tried to go deeper into this, and that's all they refer to it as. It has no other name, it has no other symptom. You just sweat a lot. It was hot out. <laughs> okay. Well, they're in 
the they United didn't Kingdom. Have it's AC. not hot. Tis not hot. So Catherine recovers from the sweating sickness, but Arthur does not. And he passes away in April of 1502, leaving 16-year-old Catherine a widow. She. Yeah. So Arthur's dead. So now Henry VII, again, her father-in-law, Arthur's father, he has a dilemma now. The terms of her 200,000 ducat dowry indicate that if she has to be sent home, the money gets sent back to So they don't want to return these 200,000 ducats, which one ducat is approximately $42.66 in today's money. So her dowry was roughly $8.5 million. A lot to have to return. Yeah. So Henry VII is like, I don't want to give this money back. How do I figure this out? So he briefly considers marrying Catherine himself. Catherine is 16. But her family is like, yeah, that's not happening. He solves the issue by hooking up Catherine with his second son, Henry VIII. So that's how Henry and Catherine get together, because he doesn't want to return the dowry. (laughs) When Catherine's mother dies, her value on the marriage market decreases. So the wedding keeps getting delayed. I'm not quite sure why that happened, but I kept I tried to look it up and they just said that it decreased. She's getting old. In the meantime, Catherine busies herself by becoming the Spanish ambassador to England in 1507, as well as the first female ambassador in European history. So she's pretty badass. Catherine ended up having to testify to the Pope that her marriage to Arthur, again, the older brother, was never consummated. So she's like, I never banged Arthur, so it doesn't count. Those are the rules. Do they have the receipts? I, I don't know. There were no receipts. Unconfirmed. The Pope gave them special dispensation to marry each other because he's like, well, if they never had sex, I guess it doesn't count. Like, yep. How long was their marriage before he died? A couple months. Didn't bang in a Maybe a months? year. Jeez. Well, they got married by proxy. She wasn't there for half of it. <laughs> oh, it's true. Did they have like snail mail sex? Yeah. And then he comes down with fucking sl- sweating sickness. He Nobody wants sweats. to bang at that point. It's the meat sweats. Ugh. Okay. So now we're entering her rule. She was queen from 1509 to 1533. So at this point, Catherine's 23 and Henry VIII is now king of England at 18. Henry relies on Catherine's intelligence a whole lot during their marriage. She's the older woman. She is worldly. Five years is a big difference at that point, I guess. How's her back? (laughs) Unconfirmed. I should have. I should have looked it up. I am so sorry. Thirty-two. You have them inverted. God. Oh my God! You're not. While they were married, Henry appointed Catherine regent in England with the titles Governor of the Realm and Captain General, while he went off on a military campaign in France. So he gives her these titles so that she can, like, rule in his stead, essentially, while he's off, you know, being a manly man, because he's 18 and a moron. As all 18-year-old men are. (laughs) Indeed. When the Scots invaded in 1513, Catherine is dressed in full fucking armor and goes to address the troops herself, despite being, like, very, very pregnant at the time. Had to make special armor for her belly. Yeah, I know. I don't know. They just like paper mache a cast around her belly. Yeah, I mean, I love the image of her like super prego on a horse with all this fucking armor. Like, come on, guys. Let's get it done. 
Those were her words. Direct quote. Yes, that was a direct quote. Come on, guys. Let's get it done. What's the quote from the boys that they say, the tagline that they keep using for the women superheroes? They're like, women, (sighs) they get it done. I can't think of it, but (laughs) I know what you're saying. Shoot, I can't. Women get it done or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Girls get it done. Girls. Not even women. Jesus Christ. (sighs) So, top of the to do list when you are a queen is produce an error. Produce an error. error. I did say that wrong and I was hoping to gloss over it, but thanks so much, guys. That is how I feel about uh, (laughs) about childbirth. That was a Freudian error. error. That's probably what they say when they give birth to a girl, though, because those are useless in their lineages. Oh, and we will get to it. It's not an error. It's an error. I hope when you get pregnant, you're like, guys, I've got an error. I'm going to send Tracy a card. That's like, I'm so sorry for your error. I like it. (laughs) So Catherine gets pregnant six times total. She suffers a few miscarriages, some stillbirths, several infant losses within hours or days of birth. Her first pregnancy was miscarried twins. And post-miscarriage, her stomach was still, like, swollen. So they thought one of the twins might survive because, you know, they don't have ultrasounds. But the swelling was later determined to be an infection and neither twin was delivered. But on her fifth pregnancy... It resulted in a daughter named Mary in February of 1516, but obviously girls don't count, so... Mm-mm. Nope. Can't rule the land without a dick. Nope. Even though Catherine has literally been doing it while her husband is off gallivanting. Because men are terrible, Henry starts fooling around with Catherine's lady-in-waiting, Anne Boleyn, around 1525. Ever heard of her? I do know that <laughs> name. Yep. So Catherine is 40 at this point, and it's unlikely she's going to have any more children. All dried up. Anne is at most 24, but likely closer to 18. Her birth date is, like, disputed. So, or her birth year, rather. Henry is 35 at this point. So he's a solid decade older than she is. Which is a lot in those days. Like, people are dying at 50. Yeah, it's like, like a lifetime. A yeah. yeah, seriously. And we'll get into some of this when we go into Anne Boleyn, because she's also in this segment, because she's the second wife. Spoiler. Whoa, Um, whoa. (laughs) It's not a spoiler if it was literally 500 years ago. (laughs) I had enough time to catch up. (laughs) So... Chose not to. So I think now we're safe to talk about, like, Lost and The Sixth Sense. Exactly. Like, if you don't know by now, I can't help you. Like... There's got to be a point where we're allowed to talk about it. This is your fault. Spoiler alert, Snape kills Dumbledore. So Henry starts pressuring Catherine to quietly retire to a nunnery. And he also starts pressuring... Retire from being my wife. Yes, literally. (laughs) Give in your resignation letter. And he starts pressuring the Catholic Church for an annulment. You can't annul 20-something years late. You can annul if you get, like, drunk married in Vegas. You can't annul 24 years and six miscarriages later. Right. So Catherine refuses because she's his goddamn wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And the Catholic Church says you can't just annul your marriage so that you can marry your mistress for funsies. Like, no. So we'll come back to a lot of this when we get to Anne's segment. But there's a whole scandal. Put a pin in that. Henry decides he's going to sue the Holy See for annulment. The Holy Holy See? See? Well, yeah, let me explain. 
the Holy See is the jurisdiction of the Bishop of Rome, a.k.a. the Pope. He sued the Pope? So, like, technically, his jurisdiction. Henry VIII sends his secretary, William Knight, to the Pope, which happens to be Pope Clement VII, asking for an appeal and a subsequent annulment. As luck would have it, Catherine's (laughs) nephew, Emperor Charles, had the Pope prisoner in the sack of Rome. So obviously Henry lost his appeal because he's like, no, you can't annul your marriage to my aunt. Like, sorry, fuck you. The sack of Rome is when the Protestant Germans were taking the city of Rome over unpaid wages. I didn't go too far into it. The moral of the story is that he was the Pope was prisoner and he was prisoner by Catherine's nephew. Got it. So that wasn't going to happen. So that's not happening because he's like, no, I'm not going to help you oust my aunt like no (laughs) so a lot of influencers at the time were on Catherine's side sorry influencers oh yes influencers on the gram and tiktok yep Yep. (laughs) any finfluencers so the lord chancellor of england thomas moore he was on Catherine's side he was like you can't just fucking annul a 24 year marriage like no Henry's own sister, Mary Tudor, who is the Queen of France at this point, she is on Catherine's side. And Protestant reformer Martin Luther. Never heard of him? Yes. Never heard of him. Okay. Well, he (laughs) literally started Protestantism. We don't have time for it. Just know that he's a big deal. (laughs) Despite widespread support, Catherine is banished from the court in 1530. And Anne's stuff is moved into her chamber shortly thereafter. So, like, they wasted no time, like, moving Anne in. Until the end of her life, Catherine would refer to herself as Henry's only lawful wedded wife and England's only rightful queen. And she made all of her servants continue to address her by that title. So, technically... Henry refused her the right to any title but Dowager Princess of Wales in recognition of her position as Arthur's widow. So he's like, our marriage never happened. You are just the Princess of Wales. That's the only thing ever that ever occurred. Fuck you. Which is fucking weird because he, in order to marry Catherine, he just had her testify to the Pope that they never banged. So that marriage is illegitimate too. But whatever. <laughs> Also, like... You've been married 24 years! It's half her fucking (laughs) lifetime. Yeah. Like, the last half of our lives don't count. Right. That's literally what it is. So, Catherine died at the age of 50 in 1536. So, there's a bunch of drama about that. There are rumors that during the embalming, Catherine's heart was discovered to be, quote, blackened. So... This was understood at the time to be the product of poisoning, which then put Anne and Henry under suspicion. They're like, oh, shit, did the king and queen poison her to get her out of the way? Modern medicine now believes that she suffered from cancer of the heart. Modern medicine can all this time later diagnose the heart problem, but not the friggin' sweats. I guess they like reviewed (laughs) what the doctor said. I don't know. It was during embalming. So they like actually saw it. So you know, it's not guessing. Henry VIII did not attend the former queen's funeral, and he forbade their daughter Mary, Catherine and Henry's daughter Mary, from attending as well. So, yeah, 
that's shitty. Her own daughter couldn't go to her funeral. Oh. And then there are rumors that Anne Boleyn and Henry VIII wore yellow to, quote, mourn. So it's confirmed that they did wear yellow, but the rumors are, in one sense, it was interpreted as a celebration. But there's also the Spanish color. In, in Spanish culture, yellow is considered a color of mourning as well. And since Catherine was from Spain, it could have been an homage in theory. Mm. But most likely they were celebrating because they're assholes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, or like they say funerals are supposed to be like a celebration of their life. So they were celebrating. They Catherine's could spin life. it that they were celebrating her life. I think that was the PR just, spin. Yeah. But it was like, probably in reality, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. In reality, that's not what was going on. So that's Catherine of Aragon, the first wife. Second wife, Anne Boleyn, beheaded. Okay, so here's the poem. Shit. I'm that Boleyn girl, and I'm up next. See, I broke England from the church. Yes, I'm that sexy. Why did I lose my head? Well, my sleeves may be green, but my lipstick's red. So we'll get into why that's relevant. Candlelit. Anne lived from either 1501 or 1507. It's debated among scholars. <laughs> There's a lot of literature. I don't have time for this. It's debated. Until her execution in 1536. Let's talk about her early life. So she's born to like a wealthy family. Thomas Boleyn, the first Earl of Wiltshire, and Lady Elizabeth Howard. The parish records can't confirm the year of her birth. Sometime between 1501 and 1507. We don't know. Need to see the certificate. Yeah, there's no We don't have the receipts. No receipts are, are had. No. Man, I would not do well in this era. Yeah. <laughs> you need your receipts. Anne had an older sister named Mary, who becomes important later in this story. Anne made her living primarily as a maid of honor. And now we're going to digress here. <laughs> this is 27 dresses. <laughs> and now we're going to digress. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. So a maid of honor is a junior attendant to the queen or to a member of the royal uh. family. So it goes maid of honor, lady in waiting. And, th- and those people wait on a female member of the royal family. So that's age dependent. And then a senior lady-in-waiting, so like the ranking one, is called the Mistress of the Robes. And she really only has to show up for like ceremonial shit. She's the supervisor. Like, we don't keep tabs on her. If you're the Queen Regnant, which is the female monarch equivalent of the king, or the Queen Consort, which is the wife of the reigning king. So if you're the monarch or you're married to the monarch, then you're a attendants are called the women of the bedchamber, which I love. Women of the bedchamber. Women of the bedchamber. So that's what Anne's doing, like, from the time she's real little until she becomes fucking queen. So she's attending to these members of the, female members of the royal family. We know that she was about 5'3". She was slender, had long, straight, dark hair, dark eyes, and an olive complexion. There are also rumors that Anne had a sixth finger on her hand. But these rumors were disproved when her skeleton was exhumed during the 1876 renovation of the palace. What a weird rumor. 
Also, it super doesn't make sense because since deformities were typically like Catherine started seen it. as signs of evil at that time, it un- it's unlikely that if she had any of these deformities that Henry would be interested in her. I wouldn't put it past like the royal court people to like remove the An extra, extra finger because then or they'd be like, I mean, if we don't do this, she'll never get anywhere. Maybe I don't know, but it's been disproven by the skeleton. Like she didn't have one at the time of her death. It's like least. a circumcision; they just do it when they're a baby. It's know. a finger, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just like lop it off. It's probably well, like a little nubby finger on the end. So okay, just cut I it off, it. and then when they're a baby, they don't remember it, and then all is forgotten. You just got a little scar on the side of your hand. You know, I hate this. And everybody who knows takes it to their grave. Mm-hmm. Except for the people who they tell in the rumor. Yes. So she's described as a gifted musician. Because she has an extra finger to play piano with. <laughs> <laughs> she's very personable and poised from a young age. So let's get into the scandal. Anne was working as a woman of the bedchamber to Queen Catherine when Henry VIII like, starts to have feelings, catch some feelings for her. Anne refuses to sleep with him because she's seen how he mistreats mistresses before. Remember that sister I told you about? She was one of his mistresses! Mm. Gross. So she and her sister end up becoming Eskimo sisters. Super gross. (laughs) It's even reported that Mary had two of Henry's children and then was cast aside when he got bored with her. Which... Funny enough, afterwards, Mary starts revenge banging the king of France, Henry's rival, after their affair ends. Were any of her kids boys? It wouldn't have mattered. It's out of wedlock, not the heir. But if they like married yeah. beforehand, it would have prevented him from four other wives. Well, I mean, he denied, the, he denied the paternity, so yeah, it's, it's a mute point. If it's not his kid, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's believed that because Anne refused to be his mistress, Henry then made this plan to annul the marriage to Catherine to marry Anne. Right. So playing hard to get, etc. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go back to the annulment scandal. Henry sends his Lord Chancellor, Thomas Wolsey, to seek an annulment in Rome in 1529. So this is five, no, four years after he starts banging Anne. Or not banging, but like trying to court her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to so, bang. <laughs> yeah, super trying to bang. Wooing. So the Lord Chancellor is another word for the king's chief advisor. So Anne convinces Henry that Wolsey is deliberately slowing down the annulment request because he's sided with Catherine. So Henry has him arrested and would have put him to death, but Wolsey ended up getting terminally ill and died before he could be put to death. So beat him to it. So Anne was literally just like, this guy's taking too long. I think you should kill him. And he's like, yeah, you're totally right. Good idea, babe. Yep. That's basically what happened. They talk just like high schoolers. Mm -hmm. This is the most high school bullshit that's ever happened. So Anne proved super valuable to Henry even before they got married. So she, like I said, she was really personable and poised and stuff. So she cozies up to the French ambassador to England. 
Gills de la Pomeray. <laughs> I was like, why is she hesitating? <laughs> what the fuck language is that? That was French. French. Oh, honey, no. Allegedly. Yep. Mm, allegedly. Yep. Oh, God. Well, we've just turned off all of France. And thus solidified England's relationship with France. So she's like shoring up the relationship with France. In return, Henry named Anne Marquess of Pembroke in 1532. This gave her an amount of land in Wales that was valued at a thousand pounds, which is over 775,000 in today's US dollars. So, you know, she gets a nice little chunk of land there. Huge racks of land. Tracks of land. Tracks of land. <laughs> I was thinking racks of lamb and tracks of land. <laughs> They're not the same. I'm really hungry. Let's keep going. So, mm, rack of lamb. So, when it became clear that the Pope was not going to annul the marriage, because remember, he's being held captive at this point by Catherine's nephew. Henry is like, well, fine. If you won't annul me, I'm going to go make my own church. Boo. So he starts breaking away from the Catholic Church. This is what is known in history as the English Reformation and essentially produced Protestantism, which is basically Catholic light. In 1534, Parliament passed the Act of Supremacy, which named Henry, quote, Supreme Head of the Church of England and gave him the authority to annul his own marriage to Catherine and freely marry Anne, which is total North Korean Trump vibes. Anne is queen from 1533 until 1536. Three years. Long may she reign. When Henry married Anne in January of 1533, Pope Clement VII immediately excommunicates Henry from the church, which like, yeah, that's significant, but I have my own church now, so like, whatever. It's rumored that Anne was pregnant at the time of the marriage, but Anne swore up until her death that she was a virgin until their wedding night. And honestly, like, it makes more sense at that point that she would be a virgin because she's already made him wait this long. Like, hold out for the ring. (laughs) May 23rd, 1533. So four months later, four, four or five months. There's a special conference of church officials, and they declare that Henry and Catherine's marriage is null and void. So they got married in January, and the marriage wasn't null and void until the end of May. So that's kind of murky. Oh, so there's like a four-month overlap between his two wives. Right. Mm. I mean, it was more than that, but from this marriage marriage to the annulment, yes. Right. From the legal perspective. This proceeding was engineered by Thomas Cromwell, who essentially engineered the entire break from the Catholic Church so that he could gain power as the chief minister to the king. The proceeding was presided over by Thomas Cranmer, Archbishop of Canterbury, and we will come back to him. Five days later, May 28th, Anne and Henry's marriage is declared, quote, good and valid. So Henry was technically like single for like five days because their marriage wasn't good until later did he go on like a bender yeah he had his bachelor party so once they get married here we go again with the air producing error air producing (laughs) and gives birth to elizabeth the first in september of 1533 which is obviously a disappointment to everyone because girls don't count They separated Elizabeth I from Catherine's daughter, Mary, because they're technically half-sisters. But 
Catherine's daughter, Mary, is now considered a bastard because the marriage doesn't count. And she's stripped of all her titles because her parents' marriage no longer existed. So she's not mm. royalty anymore. Sucks for her. Which is some bullshit. Just but thinking anyway. like, you know, back then you could, there's no way to tell if you're having a boy or a girl. No. So yeah. like to take all this time it took to get pregnant and then all this time to wait until they're born. And then like a year later, you're like, yay, the baby's being, oh, motherfucker. It's another woman exactly. again. <laughs> So, although Anne and Henry are reportedly very happy together and enjoying their lavish lifestyle, the pressure is on to deliver a son. So, after at least three more miscarriages, Henry gets bored, and what does he do? He starts courting future third wife, Jane Seymour, who is also a woman of the bedchamber. Because men are predictable and simple beings. His M.O. He's not even leaving the court to get these women. Like, he's not even leaving his bedroom. Doesn't have to. (laughs) She's also a Bond woman. Yeah. So Jane (laughs) was a woman of the bedchamber to both Queen Catherine and now Queen Anne. So she's been there a little bit. Biding her time. She's climbing the corporate ladder. She is. She's doing a good job, honestly. Climbing something. (laughs) So this is when he starts trying to think of ways to get rid of Anne, which is a little more problematic than with Catherine because he already did the whole, like, our marriage doesn't count thing. And he made everybody say, like, oh, our marriage, my marriage to Anne is legitimate. Like, we're good to go. So he's now kicking himself because he's like, fuck, why did I make that such a big deal? Now I want to get rid of her. I started a new church already. I can't start a third church. Exactly. So... He reportedly gives Jane a locket with a selfie of the two of them. (laughs) He didn't use the term selfie, but it's a picture of the two of them. Right. So reportedly on the day of Catherine's burial, when pregnant Anne sees the locket picture that Jane is like showing off in the chambers to all the other like women of the bedchamber, Anne rips the locket off of Jane's neck with such force that her fingers bleed. And it's said that the stress from this incident caused the miscarriage of Anne's baby, which was believed to be the male heir that the couple had hoped for because Mm. she she did give birth to like a stillborn, but it's referred to as like the miscarriage anyway. So it was the, so the irony of this whole thing is that he wouldn't have needed Jane if not for this, he killed his own baby, essentially, mm. by fucking around with Jane. So let's get into Anne's execution. So here's what happened. Anne pisses off her former ally, Thomas Cromwell, who, as you recall, is the current chief minister. So he's like an advisor. So Anne wants the money that they're collecting in the church services to go to the poor and the uneducated masses, you know, like Jesus would do. Right. And Cromwell wanted to refill the king's coffers and take his cut of it. So Cromwell's pissed that Anne won't let him skim some off the top. Mm. So in late April of 1536, all of this happens real fast, by the way. So it's like April, like 29th and 30th or some shit. Cromwell tells Henry that Anne is cheating on him Mm. with a musician named Mark Sweeten, who is among Anne's like 200 servants. So she has like a private musician and he's like, she's totally banging the musician. 
Those bass players are bad boys. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's always the guy playing a guitar. Sweet and Ann de- deny any affair, but he later confessed, though it was probably coerced through like hours of torture because this guy's just a servant. Like they can do whatever they want to him. It's not like he's a nobleman or anything. They also round up a bunch of other guys on charges of treason as co-conspirators with Anne. They round up Sir Henry Norris, which was based on an overheard conversation with Anne about coming to Anne's bedchambers. But really, he was banging her lady-in-waiting, Mad Shelton. They, they overheard this conversation and are like, oh, the two of them are sleeping together, but really he's banging her servant. Gotcha. They got it wrong. Yep. Sir Francis Weston, Sir William Brereton, but he was later released because his family was tight with Cromwell. Sir Richard Page, he was also later acquitted. And the kicker, George Boleyn, Anne's brother, accused of incest and treason. Ew. So they're like, oh, he was totally banging the queen too. Gross. All right. Right? This is getting a little unbelievable. None of this is substantiated, by the way. Like, completely unsubstantiated. No receipts. The queen's just got a train None. going on her. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what they're alleging. Just like pull a ticket from like the deli counter, you know, just get in line. There you go. May 2nd. So this is a couple days later, like three days after these rumors start. Anne is arrested on charges of adultery, high treason, because when you commit adultery on the, on the king, that's yeah. a treasonous act, and incest. Ugh. So she's also accused of conspiring with these, like, quote, lovers to kill the king. The story being, this made-up story by Cromwell, being that Anne allegedly wanted to kill off Henry and then marry Henry Norris, which is one of the guys that was arrested. So they make up this whole situation where Anne's banging her brother. She has this guy she wants to marry on the side. They're all going to kill King Henry, etc. 13 days later, Anne and George are tried separately for their crimes. Anne is found guilty unanimously. Jeez. Yeah. Who were the, the jurors? 27 of her peers. <laughs> and one of the jurors was her former betrothed. Oh. She was engaged for a short time back way before Who are your Henry. peers when you're the queen? Like, royal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just noble people, I guess. The evidence is a ton of hearsay. It's just people repeating rumors. But the laws at the time allowed for this. Suffice it to say, if the case was tried today, like, definitely would not be the same outcome. That all happens on the 15th. Two days later, all the other prisoners, aside from Anne, including her brother George, are executed for their crimes. Jesus. So it's very quick. The punishment was hanging, drawing, and quartering for men. That same day, Cranmer, from before, declares that Anne and Henry's marriage is null and void. Although, why, I'm not so sure, because you're already going to kill her anyway. So it doesn't matter if the marriage was good or not, she's dead. Two days after that, on May 19th, 1536, Anne is executed for her crimes. For her, quote, crimes. Yeah. The, cri- the punishment varied between men and women. Like I said, the men were hanged, drawn, and quartered. For women, it's burning alive. Oh. But Henry commuted her sentence from burning to beheading, because she's the queen. 
It's much more dignified. It's a kinder sentence. Henry did not want the queen to be, quote, beheaded by a common axe. So he arranged for an expert swordsman to come in from France. I just can't imagine, like, ordering someone you've been married to for to three kill just so you can fuck somebody else. Yep. But then still insisting that the execution have some aspect of dignity to it. Like, yeah. Do you respect her or do you not respect her? What's going on? Well, to be fair, I think he may not know that it was made up because he kind of gave Cromwell. He was like, look, I'm looking for a way to get rid of her. If you come across something, let me know. And so Cromwell's like, well, I'll just make something up and that'll be fine because he's pissing in anyway. I mean, he probably knew, but didn't like, no, no. Right. You know, like how what's his face was giving all those tips to was giving all this information to Whitey Bulger and the people ended up dead. Like he didn't know they were going to die, but he had reason to believe they would die. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's not great. Not a good look. Regardless, Anne gives a little speech about salvation before she gets beheaded. She avoids criticizing Henry because she wants to spare their daughter, Elizabeth, any heartache. She goes to her grave saying, like, I didn't do anything, but if this is my fate, like, so be it. Don't be pissed at your dad. Toodles. <laughs> Toodles. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the real story behind Anne Boleyn and Catherine of Aragon. Get ready for parts two and three coming up on your next Harpy Hour. Woo! Well, well not your three next Harpy, harpy Hours. Hour. Hour. My next Harpy, harpy Hour. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> That's your line, Tracy. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I was thinking of a good way to say it. <laughs> so if you can't wait for the next Super Six segment, you can listen to Harpy Hour on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen, please rate us and leave us a glorious review. Or you will be executed. Yeah, you will. <laughs> we, you and we don't get special swordsmen from France mm -mm. to do it. No, it's a common axe, bitch. You get a rusty kitchen knife. A regular old axe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pen knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> says razor blade Ruth over here. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> also, if you have other stories you think we might like or just want to say hello because you think we're awesome, you can email us at harpyhourpodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at harpyhourpod. And if you have extra money lying around that you don't know what to do with and you don't have a daughter you want to put a enormous dowry on because it's yeah. 2020. 8.5 million, man. Yeah, that 8.5 million that you just don't need to do any, you don't need to give a dowry on, just uh, give it to us instead. And we will give you all the extra content so you can understand why Liz is Razorblade Ruth and why I am Eva Leatherballs. Nuts. <laughs> leather nuts. Sorry, leather nuts. Getting a little <laughs> enthusiastic over there. Shut up, forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Thanks for listening. Okay, okay bye. bye. Beautiful. Mm -hmm.